Thank you for listening and welcome to the Life Radio Show, a proud member of the SJ Network and the JZO Modcast Podcast Network. I'm your host, Don Smith. On this lockdown episode, we talk with Will Blaine, author of the Wildly Inappropriate Stories for Children. He shares a brat with a bat. If you enjoy the show, like and follow The Life 1069 on Facebook and Don Smith Comedy on Twitter. Or tune in live on Tuesdays when we're back from COVID-19 lockdown from 7 to 9 p.m. on WWSU 106.9 FM. Or you can stream the show live at WWSU1069.org. The brutal presence overwhelms me. The brutal presence overwhelms me. All right. Hey, welcome to the Life Radio Show. I'm your host, Don Smith. We are uh, we are still sitting at home in COVID-19 lockdown, uh, trying to survive together. Togetherness, that's what we're all about here on the Life. Uh, my uh, guest has Skyped in. Uh, Will Blaine is on the, uh, on the Skype with me. On the Skype. <laughs> How's it going, Will? I'm doing great. It's good to hear from you. Yeah, you too. You too. Uh, like, like I said, I had to, had to postpone you a little bit to... Uh, Make up for a double booking on my part. I, I don't do that often, but every now and then, every now and then, I screw up. I know yeah. that's for for regular listeners to this show. That's very hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Will is uh, you're an author, correct? I'm yeah. a first time author. Yeah, I just uh, recently released my first book in a series. It's uh, an uh, entire series of children's books called Wildly Inappropriate Stories for Children. Um, awesome. It's about all the things that kids do that parents don't want them to do. So uh, I released my first book at the end of January. It's called Vlad in the Vast Beach. It's about a mom who takes his, her, her son to the beach and he kind of wanders off and has a, an adventure on his own. It's one of my uh, fears as a, as a father grow, with my, raising my daughter growing up is I was always concerned that she'd wander off and somebody's going to snatch her up. So this that's, mother's yeah, that's... Living, living her fears. Yeah, that, there you go. And wildly inappropriate stories for children. That sounds like a comedy series. It is. It's very humorous. It's very relatable. Um, I think it's this is all about the things that that kids, all kids do. I mean, I'm sure you've done it as a child. Uh, I'm sure that as as parents, we've all had our kids do the same thing. Uh, wander off from our from our mom at, at the mall or at the beach or wherever we might be. Or uh, my second story. Uh, in the series is called Sticky Fingers from Jam. Uh, it's about a, a young child that gets up early in the morning and decides to eat his, make himself breakfast. So uh, I that, know, could, that can be a mess. Well, definitely. you know, when, you, when you're little, your culinary choices aren't all that good. I, I, uh, I can remember being, being young and, you know, wanting to eat frosting or eat, wanting to eat jam or whatever confection there might be. Uh, yeah. So the premise of this story is it's just that he gets the little boy gets up early in the morning and decides that he's going to have jam for breakfast. And the story is about all the aftermath of what happens after that. <laughs> yeah. When I was, when I was young, I remember thinking I could get up and fix myself breakfast a time or two, but I, I wanted an omelet. Huh. That was, that was disastrous. That was, I'd, it's a wonder the house didn't burn down that morning, but uh, somehow it didn't. I ended but, up having a lot of really burnt eggs, and uh, <laughs> so some of my family they they uh, they decided that they wanted to have frosting for breakfast. So um, they have the older set of kids, and they had you know maybe ten ten years or so in between the younger set of kids, and they were. 
talking about the older set would never, the mom would never let them have frosting for breakfast. But yet the younger, younger set, uh, apparently she just got too tired of fighting it. And they, you know, come back over one morning and the, and the younger, younger son is literally having frosting for breakfast. So. Yeah. Um, why not? <laughs> yeah, I, I, you I thought, only live once. After I wrote the story, you know, jam is really not that bad of a choice. I mean, it is fruit after all, usually. So, you know, right. you got some grapes or some blueberries or some strawberries or something in the jam. So it does have some nutritional value, though. I'm sure it's more than offset by the amount of sugar that it has. I'm sure. Well, yeah, that's that's what uh, that was at Bill Cosby back in the day with the chocolate cake for breakfast. Yeah, right. right. I remember it's got that. milk. It's got eggs. It's got absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that that's a that's a perfect idea. Why not? Sometimes you just need something sweet for breakfast, anyway. You know, if you look at the most breakfast cereals and stuff like that, I don't know that they're that much more uh, nutritionally dense than than jam or or something else along that line. Well, that, that's true. When you have chocolate cook, chocolate chip cookie breakfast cereal, <laughs> yeah, or or you're eating a breakfast cereal that turns your milk into chocolate milk, yeah, yeah. it's probably not got a lot of nutritional value. Yeah, or so you, this, the calories that it has per the nutrition that it has is probably probably not very good. Right, right. Well, it's it's like pancakes and and syrup. You know, that's it's a lot of that's a lot of sugar to get you going in the morning. It is. It is under certain conditions. That's just fine. So I'm not, I'm not endorsing that we all have jam for breakfast or let our kids do that. But, um, yeah, it's probably not the worst thing in the world. Though yeah. I don't think that I'd let my child do that either. So I'm just <laughs> a of a parent. So are you, are you writing these more as the, from the perspective of the parent or? No, no, they're, um, they're written in a way that it makes it, I'm writing it from the perspective of logic from the child's point of view. One of the things oh, that, nice. that kids do if you look at it from their point of view, it doesn't seem entirely unreasonable. Like, um, I was raised on a farm in West Virginia, and, um, you know, my mom would, you know, tell me to, you know, go out and do my chores at six o'clock in the morning in the summertime, and, you know, she didn't really need to hear anything from me until it got dark that night, you know? So I was basically on my own, and I didn't have a lot of direction as to what I could and what I couldn't do. So I can remember doing things like, uh, climbing to the top of a silo. That's right. feet in the air. That's ridiculous. I mean, because my parents never told me not to, why wouldn't I? Right. Right. So, <laughs> you know, ch- children don't have the ability to reason that type of stuff out. It's like when they wander away from their parents. I, I don't think any child intends to get lost from their parents, but uh, what they do get distracted by, you know, things they're exploring and finding out what life's all about. And I can see, in hindsight. Where they could that could that could be a problem. Right. So that's, that's, I, yeah, I, I like that you put it from their 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 logic, which you know sure. people don't think of kids having a a specific logic, but they kind of do. They they have their own way of looking at things and figuring things out. I think. Yeah, and it's based on their own life experience. They have very little life experience, and they um, make decisions accordingly. Right. That, right. That and confidence short on experience. Yes, and who hasn't climbed a silo before? You know, I think every child would if they had the opportunity. I mean, yeah, especially it's really if it's not if it's not strictly forbidden. Well, if, or nobody's telling they're not to tell them not to. So, um, and I, I think that most children would take the opportunity. 
Yes, I, I know I have. We we live down the down the street from a, a grain silo down there, and and the water tower, the the town yes, water yes. tower. So yeah, we've been up there. We- <laughs> in hindsight, though, when you think about that, that was not one of your better choices in life, probably, because there's not probably. you know if you go to, I've I've climbed water towers and stuff too, and there's not a lot of protection. I mean, if you fall, that's it, you know. So yeah. Well, that's that's the fun of it. It's kind of mm-hmm. like jumping out of a hayloft. You don't know if somebody left a pitchfork in there. Yep. <laughs> that many times. Many times. And we've done that too. With you know, I, I I I look at kids now, and I think I think about the freedom I had as a kid. Uh, kid kids nowadays are a little a little overprotected. I think. Uh, I think so too. They're a lot more safety conscious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we. Uh, we were we were kind of a little more you know ch- child of the seventies and early eighties we we yeah. were we were a little more uh, a little more free to ride bikes without helmets and to to ride in the back of a pickup truck because that's just fun. Yeah, I did all those all those things. I didn't even think about having a helmet even 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 when my daughter was young. I didn't really think about having a helmet for her. So uh, she's my daughter's twenty twenty seven now, I think something like that. So. You know that's that's been still a while. This this whole phenomenon of having helmets and uh, armor and stuff like that is kind of a new new concept. Um, yeah. So I I I rode, rode horses and stuff like that on the farm, and I never even thought about having a helmet. Yeah, which I would think it, having a helmet on a horse would be you know a little a little better than just on a bicycle because on a, you know. A yeah, horse, that's a lot higher to fall, and, you know. It's an excellent idea to have a helmet. I mean, I, there's been many people that have had, you know, serious injuries from bikes and horse falls and, yeah. and whatnot. And I fell many times. In fact, I probably shouldn't even be alive for as many times as I've fallen off a horse and been drugged and, you know, all that kind of thing. So it's it's yeah. uh, it's a dangerous a dangerous occupation sometimes, being a kid. The, oh, that that it is, and especially when you don't grow out of it. My mom's in her seventies, and she still rides. She'll ride the most challenging horse she can, uh-huh. and she's been. I think it's only been a couple of years since the last time th- she was thrown. It's like, mom, you're in your seventies. Right. You can't keep doing this. Right. <laughs> but she she hops back up on him. Yeah, so. and it's you know if you're if that's the way you're raised, you just you're not you're not afraid. I I I understand that. You just. Right. Understand that's part of life, and you're going to get thrown, and sometimes you'll get hurt. Go pick yourself up and go about life. Yeah, you just don't want to be thrown from a horse uh, from a water tower. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think my water tower climbing days are over, and probably not going to climb too many silos or anything like that either in the in the near future. Yeah. But, um, it, it was it was fun when you're when you're younger. Oh yeah, well it's a, it's an adventure. Every day's an adventure when you're when you're at that part at that point. So. Yeah, and that's, I think that's the good thing about being a child, is being able to to have those adventures. Now again, I'm not endorsing being unsafe, but um, you know, being free and being able to explore your world. Uh, it's like the story in Vlad and the Vast Beach. It's set in uh, Brighton Beach in New York City. I don't know if you know. Any, have, you, have you ever been to New York City? Uh, I have Beach? not. I have not. So the Brighton Brighton Beach area is every is like little Moscow. Everything's in Russian. There, uh, you know, the stores are in Russian, the restaurants are Russian, and everybody around us speaks Russian. So I, I go there all the time. My my wife and I speak Russian, and um, we go. Yeah, I was, I was looking at your bio here. I pulled oh, yeah. up your book on Amazon. I was looking at your bio, and that's interesting. It's a it's a different it's a different culture, and yeah. Um, 
what I, we'd go up there, I don't know, a couple, three times a year or something like that, and, and we'd uh, go in, along Brighton Beach. And it's really refreshing because I, I get kind of claustrophobic like in, in big cities, even in Columbus. Columbus is kind of a spread out town, but if you get downtown, you feel kind of closed in, particularly it's like everything's kind of yeah. close together. And I don't, I, just being raised in the rurals in West Virginia, I just wasn't used to that kind of thing. So um, it's nice when you go to New York City you, know, you have that claustrophobic feeling until you get out on the beach. So you get out along the boardwalk, and you're walking from north on Brighton Beach. You're going to walk towards Coney Island, and you know you see families out there. Their moms taking their kids out to to the beach, and everybody's sunning themselves or playing ball or you know having a good time. It's a really it's a relaxing uh, evening when we go out there. We'll have dinner and take a walk down to Coney Island, and you know see all the people out there and people riding rides and whatnot. It's, it's right. pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I'll have to get there sometime. As I know, I, I have a, a number of comedy contacts out there. I'll have to go out and try to perform some stand-up out in New York. Yeah, yeah, New York's a good place. Uh, uh, you probably want to, you know, in the Brighton Beach area, maybe not as much. That's mostly mostly Russian-type people. Of course, you can yeah. you can uh, learn a few Russian phrases, and I'm sure you can get by on the Russian stage. Yeah, you never know. You never know. That's <laughs> that. I would say doing. Doing com performing comedy in a to another culture and or in a different language would be very tricky. It is, and there's there's a lot of uh, nuance and stuff like that that, yeah. that comes along with with well, like even with English. Uh, you know, well, yeah. individuals that aren't raised speaking English have a terrible time with all the little nuance and and things that Americans say that really don't make sense when you look at the actual words. Um, Right, which is a lot. <laughs> well, that's what comedy is, and that's what you know the English language is. You know, you look at English, and it's very, very nuanced. It has a lot of things that are um, said that aren't actually meant. Whereas Russian is a very logical language. It's it's very uh, straightforward, and and uh, even even how it's said. I always tell you know, friends that are learning Russian, I say, hey, if you want to, if you want to speak the, with the good accents, you sound as if you're angry or depressed, and that's how you get the good accent. That's just <laughs> the perspective of, of a person that's speaking English towards, you know, speaking, you know, trying to speak Russian. Is that that's how that's how they sound to Americans. It's not that they are. It's just that right. that's how they that's how they sound. Well, yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of like with German. It's hard to speak German and not sound somewhat angry. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Which I, I studied a little bit of German. Never really studied any Russian, but it, I, I would imagine that would be a fascinating language. Well, I was over in Germany back in June. We spent, my wife and I spent a month in Europe, and um, it was awesome. I, I really like Germany. It's a very beautiful country, particularly in the south. We went uh, in the south of Germany. We're also in Berlin. Um, but I really, I, I really enjoyed Berlin, and I also enjoyed the south towards uh, Switzerland. Uh, once you get up into the Alps and all that kind of thing, it's it's a pristine pristine country yeah that that would be neat i i have not done any traveling in a long long time when, <laughs> well you're due, you're due. Been in the caribbean for a while but i not really hadn't really gone out much and never been over to europe well i if, if you have any place I, to go in europe i would suggest switzerland i think switzerland's probably my favorite favorite thing to, I, I went there in, in, in the middle of the summer uh, I walked up to about 5,400 feet or so, and they still had snow on the ground. So uh, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, everything is clean. Everything's um, well. They they I stayed in a town called Interlaken, 
it's between two two lakes and um the water is so clean they said they have the, they have regularly have fish kills there because the water is so clean they don't have it's not enough food or or um things wow. for the fish to eat in the water and they starve to death so they said that they regularly have that because their water is so clean and it is the the water is very clean um even in the yeah, I would, I, yeah i would think that's too clean <laughs> if the fish are starving to death right i mean it's if it's um uh, it's exactly that's exactly the case I, and I, I wasn't complaining by by any means i i, I walked up there into the to the uh, mountains and it was in the creeks and things like that and i was literally you know half drinking water out of the creek and uh, i thought that was just really cool you know something you really don't do uh, too much in the united states that is that is true yeah you don't you don't want to drink water right out of a stream anymore but again, that's a, that's a thing growing up we used to do. We had a, a spring not too far from the house that we'd actually go, uh, we'd get some drinking water out of. Right. And it was, it was an underground spring, and it was probably cleaner than the water that our town provided. You know, I, I, I'm concerned about that a lot, too, with the uh, additives and stuff that they put in the water to make it, you know, clean enough to drink. Right. You know, you have, then you have the, the remnants of the chlorine and stuff that they put in, and I, I just... I don't know. I'm kind of concerned about that too. We we filter our, our water and everything when it comes into the house, but uh, you know, it's, yeah, it it seems like it's a it's a, we're in, we're in a society that seems like they trade one problem for another. Now, I'm right. not obviously endorsing that everybody doesn't have clean water and we don't use don't use chemicals anymore. But yeah, just it seems just, it just be careful nice up to, Flint, Michigan. That's really well, that's, that's a good case in point. It's a good case in point. Um, you, you see an entire community of people that are suffering because of the decisions that their local government and state governments made. And it's, right, right. it's uh, something that isn't going away very easily. That is true. Uh, yeah. When I was, when I was a kid, the town we grew up in, they had one main river going through it and our sewage treatment plant was upstream of the water plant. Ugh. I don't re I don't ever recall a time growing up where there wasn't a boil advisory for our town's water that's, and that that's, just <laughs> that should not be able to exist i mean that's you know i, I look about uh, at towns and stuff that get their uh, water from rivers and, and streams and stuff like that and, and you know that the sewage from the town that's upstream has been dumped in there and the next town is getting their you know drinking water out of it you know so it's it's a it's an ongoing problem and yeah you, you don't want to be all the way down at the end of the <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You wonder what happens when it gets down on the Ohio River and down to Mississippi, what kind of water they're getting down there. Oh, yeah. Well, by the time it dumps into the Gulf of Mexico, that's, uh, we're pretty much done with it at that point. You don't want to... <laughs> yeah, well, they, ha they have the whole dead zone there at the end of the Gulf of Mexico from all of the uh, nitrogen oh, stuff that's in you know, yeah. runoff, and I'm sure it's other things that have made their way into the water as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I heard out and out. There were some places where there were so many chemicals in the water from just different hormones and stuff that people were ingesting that it was creating problems in the water treatment. So, right. how did we get from wildly inappropriate children's oh. stories to this? I don't know, but here we are. <laughs> Crazy talking people. Crazy talking. That's people. that's what it is. That's what it is. That's so. <laughs> uh, now, other other than writing, is is there is there a day job for you, or what do you uh, what do you do in your in your non writing time? 
So I, I work for uh, a company called Packar. Um, we make the heavy-duty trucks that you see on the highway, you know, oh, okay. Doff, Bowdoin, um, Kenworth. Uh, so I work in a factory down in Chillicothe, and okay. I, run a, I run a robotic cell that um, paints robots and uh, puts, finishing, puts finishes on the outside. Okay. I have a friend down in, uh, down in Chillicothe runs a lot of good, great comedy shows down there. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's cool. uh, Lori, Lori Graves, if, if you ever get out to any of her comedy shows, she has she puts on some of the best ones down there in Chillicothe. Lori Graves. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one, one, wonderful human being, too. She, and she is a riot. She is, she is a very funny comic herself. She sounds like I've, sound, I've heard her before at some point. Sounds vaguely familiar. I'll have to look her yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, definitely check some of her shows out down there. Uh, let's see... Is, is there anything else you want to talk about? I know uh, we, we've we've talked about your books on there a little bit. Uh, when's the next uh, the next story, the next book coming out? Uh, it's coming out soon. I'm working on with a an illustrator on the cover art um, right now, and with my uh, copy editor. Um, so there's a lot there's a lot more to putting a book together than I initially thought. When I put my first one together, I just thought, yeah, I'll just put all these words down and and, and you know everything will be fine. Well, that's not exactly how it should be done. I, in hindsight, I, I think that having somebody, having a copy editor look at it and giving attention to how the text appears on the page, where the line breaks are, you know, from one page to the next, uh, how um, spacing in between letters affects the readability, you know, different things like that that I would never have considered. Right. Uh, so there, the text, the space between letters is called kerning. K e a r n i n g. I never knew that until they, I was talking with my copy editor, and and she was like, "Well, you know, if, if you have like the word its i t apostrophe s, the it looks kind of weird if it's i and t and then the apostrophe and then the spacing be, between the apostrophe and the s makes a big deal on its readability. You know, if it's too far out or if it's too close in." And I didn't even give that a second thought. I would have never thought anything about that. Yeah, that, but, that's. That, well, I'd imagine with with children's books, it, it becomes a lot more important. Well, and and not only that, it's it makes the and the aesthetic makes the reading experience better. So right. you, when you're actually looking at ink on paper, it's a different experience than you know. I just have mine in a in a document that I've been working with, and I know what it says because I've read it a million times. You know, you know, being the author. So um, I didn't. I wasn't giving a lot of attention to how the reader, you know, from their perspective, what are they going to experience when they when they uh, uh, look at the book. So uh, that that was a big deal when I released *Vlad in the Vast Beach* in paperback, and I'm giving that a lot more attention to in when I release *Sticky Fingers* from Jam uh, coming up soon. It's also going to have um, uh, cover art, which is a lot a lot more than, a lot better than what I had initially. I just used a regular, like on Vlad in the Vast Beach. If you look at my book on Amazon, um, it's just sand, um, right. like, a, like a picture of, of sand at the beach. You know, just just a, just a close up. Um, but you know, I'm I'm giving a little more attention. I think I'm getting better. As I don't think I'm getting to be a better writer, but to be a better book publisher, I guess. Um, you know, giving more attention to the things, the finer details, that's going to make it a better experience. You know, the cover art is going to make it make a difference the illustrations are going to make a difference the uh, way the the book is laid out the page the letters on the page the space between the different letters um 
how how the what word ends where and when you turn the page, uh, it has a has a big difference on uh, the reader's experience. So right, right, yeah, it, it all comes together. Yeah, absolutely. All so, right. Well, I'm gonna. I'm go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna read you one of my stories for free. I've got one coming out. Uh, this is not published or anything like that. If you're interested, I'll read it to you. If you're not interested, I won't. I won't bother. Okay. Sure. Go right ahead. This, well, this is. This is coming out. It's not published or anything. I've already got it copyrighted and everything. But this is. This is a story that I read a few weeks ago to one of my friends who has a five-year-old son. And this is why. This is why I call the series wildly inappropriate stories for children. I read okay. this story. It's called the Brat with a Bat. I read the story, and within five minutes of me finishing the story, his son had gotten a stick and went around the house hitting things. So <laughs> this, is, this is why they're inappropriate for children. So I'll go ahead and read it for you. It says, what is this that my eyes see? Slender, metal, so shiny. I'll take a swing. No one will care. It won't hurt if they're unaware. The swing feels good from where I stood. In the middle of my living room floor, I heard the whoosh of the wind as the bat would descend and make contact with our front door. It left a dent in the door, and much like before, I continued to swing away. It was not that I planned, but the bat left my hand because my grip had gone astray. The bat flew through the room and continued to zoom because I had opened the door. When it landed, it smashed a large pot, then it crashed to a table Mom used to a door. I picked up the bat then calmly sat to survey the damage I'd done. As I looked all around, I imagined Mom's frown, but then again thought, that was fun. I tossed the bat in the air because I didn't care if I broke a thing or two. Look over there. It looks like a chair. It seems to be made of bamboo. I took a big swing, then heard the ping as the bat made contact with wood. The wood didn't move. I'll have to improve and swing harder in all likelihood. As I gave it a whack, it developed a crack, and the leg fell onto the floor. Impressed with my style, I developed a smile, a snake wryly, much like before. What to do now, I said to myself as I stepped slowly into the yard. I swung as I walked, but then soon I balked. I saw a goat who was a diehard. The bully would butt anything that's clear-cut, so I decided to give it a try. He stood on hind legs and gave me a gaze. As I swung, I gave a war cry. Now, this is, incidentally, is very true. This is based on my own experience. Not that I went around smashing and get some goats in the head or anything like that. But <laughs> billy goats are good. notoriously uh, aggressive creatures. Yes. Uh, they, will, they, they enjoy butting things with their head, whatever it might be. So anyway, continuing with the story. I heard the sound of the ping, but then thought, poor thing, but then looked at the end of my bat. I stood there amazed that Billy was not phased by the violence of the impact. My bat sustained damage. That much is true. Billy dented the end of my bat, but he didn't care. For sure, I could swear that he enjoyed the combat. I continued on foot. I needed input to figure out what to smash next. I saw a small tree. It was right next to me. I focused my muscles and flexed. On the branch was on the branches was fruit, the red glossy sort. I swung my bat hard, but I was too short. I threw my bat up, that is, up in the tree. And down came an apple, as fresh as can be. I threw the fruit up and then took a swing. The apple was smashed over everything. I was covered in sauce and sticky to boot. I should have thought better than smashing that fruit. But that didn't matter. I was okay. I was off to smash something without delay. I didn't get far until it caught my eye, a brown paper object that wasn't that high. Should I just ignore it or give it a whack? 
I walked all around it and planned my attack. Now the queen was quite vicious, and so was her brood. No one remembers when she was in a good mood. In her domain, she eagerly sat, just waiting for a youth with a metal ball bat. I struck the first blow, and with hornets in tow, the savage queen from her nest started to flow. They covered my body from head to toe. From assaulting me fiercely, the queen would not slow. I looked back at my house in my agony, and I saw my dad jump from my balcony. He ran with great velocity to come to save his progeny. I was screaming and crying as my daddy arrived. He carried his girl away from the hive. The queen was still angry. She continued the attack, putting large welts all over dad's back. As we jumped in the creek, she brought to a halt the horde of mad insects and their vicious assault. By the time mom got home, or by the time we got home, my mom had arrived. We told her about the incident with the hive. Though she felt badly for my affliction, she was still very angry with the damage I'd done. Dad spoke to Mom softly in gentle, hushed tones, and he walked to the deck made of old cobblestones. He started picking up pieces of smashed pottery, then I knelt by his side, feeling camaraderie. I was stabbed to the heart, I have to confess, when I saw my daddy cleaning up my big mess. Though it hurt me a little to kneel by his side, I did it quite proudly, my sorrow implied. They taught me a lesson, the queen and her crew. Because of my daddy, I've changed my worldview. In time, mom forgave me, and I'm glad of that. Because of them, I'm no longer a brat with a bat. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so that was, that was again, based on partially on my life experiences as a child. I, uh, I did, in fact, get a stick and hit a hornet's nest when I, was, when I was young. And I've had more than one experience getting stung by hornets multiple times. So you thought that I would learn the first time, but apparently, apparently, yeah, because that's, that's teach than that. Hornets, that's something that'll stick with you. <laughs> it, I, I have been stung fourteen times at once before, so um, yeah, I've was not was not enjoyable. No, anyway. no, no, no. Especially hornets are vicious. Those things don't they don't mess around. They are vicious, absolutely. Yeah. All so right. This, Oh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, this is the story. All of my stories have a little uh, moral at the end of them, a little lesson, life lesson that everybody should learn from, from that experience. So uh, right. that's one thing I do like to, about all of my stories is I try to put that uh, lesson in there. And Vlad in the Bass Beach, my first story that's available on Amazon right now, it has three at the end. So uh, that's can good. Check that's that good. Out. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to go get some more coffee, and we'll be back here shortly. Probably hit a couple of a uh, couple of silly news stories with Will Blaine. You going to stick around for silly news? Yeah, I'll stick around with you. All right, perfect. I will be back here shortly on the Life Radio Show. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Quite far, he was drunk as a priest, but I ignored his vice. I said, Old man, give me advice. 
He said eventually sometimes you make lots of dollars And eventually sometimes you live in squalor Eventually sometimes you walk on a boat And eventually sometimes you don't Should I leave this one with hopes of another? Why keep on going if it's as vague as you say? And here's what the old man conveyed. He said eventually sometimes the point's hard to see. And eventually sometimes as clear as can be. Eventually sometimes you master your mind. And eventually sometimes you die. So here's my advice. If you get it here, don't get it. While having a feeling You see an old man At the end of the bar Walk away fast And walk away far Because eventually Sometimes you look for an answer But take an advice And end a disaster Eventually sometimes There's not much to say You just have to find your own way You just have to find your own way You just have to find involved in a land war in Asia, but only slightly less well-known is this. Never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> All right. Hey, welcome back to the Life Radio Show. I'm your host, Don Smith. We are sitting in COVID-19 lockdown in our, in our respective uh, places. Uh, we are joined via Skype by uh, uh, children's author Will Blaine. Hey, everybody. And uh, we we are going to cover some some silly news stories now because you know we'd we'd be remiss in our duties if we didn't get some of this stuff out there. It's very important stuff that we talk about here on the life. So, <laughs> and since since I'm on with the children's author, we'll start with this. Uh, one of the most important jobs new parents face is picking a name for their little bundle of joy, and it's a really important job, according to the parenting website Nameberry. There have been some new trends emerging when it comes to popular monikers so far this year, and there are several new additions to the most popular names list. Luna now tops the girls list. The name of the Roman moon goddess. Uh, Chrissy Teigen and John Legend named their little girl Luna, so the, that may be the inspiration for the increase in baby Lunas. Uh, Asher. Asher has become the most popular boy's name, taking the top list from last year's winner Milo. Milo? I didn't know that was a popular new baby name, Milo. That's I never heard that. Yeah, that's 
Uh, there are three newcomers to the girls' list, uh, Ava, Eloise, and Eleanor. So we're going back to the 1920s now with those ones, I think. Uh, they take top spots away from Ada, Cora, and Amelia. Arlo, Leo, and Levi are the new additions to the uh, boys' list. So it's, it's like our naming is going back in time now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it seems like, like a cyclical thing. It, it seems like they, they go out of style for a little while and then they come back in. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, let's let's see here here are the top uh, the, the top ten girls' names: Luna, Aurora, uh, Mava, Olivia, Isla, Ava, Charlotte, Ophelia, Eloise, and Eleanor. Those, yeah, those pretty much sounds like sound like names from a century ago, don't they? Yeah, I think they might have been influenced by some movies or something like that too, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And the top ten boys' names: Asher, Milo, Oliver, Levi, Silas, Atticus, Atticus. Oh, well, be, because they uh, they released a new Har- Harper Lee book not too long ago. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Theodore, Jasper, Leo, and Arlo. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, my friends have a, a boy. They just named him Asher. He's maybe a year old. So I, I heard that one before. Yeah, I hadn't heard Asher. So I, I was talking with my wife and asked if we have children, could we name it Bocephus? You know, like Hank Williams Jr. <laughs> right. She's like, no, no, she did not want that at all. Okay, well, that's, I, I think Bocephus. I mean, the, the Atticus, Atticus is not that far off. I, I don't think that any of those were really that far-fetched. I mean, they, no. I, you know, you want to have something unique. I think that's what parents typically don't want. You know, it's like David. When I was young, everybody was named David. David, 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 David. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I think it's it's nice to have a unique name. Yeah, I, see, I was expecting something a little something a little different from that list, just because you know all the new trends. I, there, there was somebody I read about the other day that named their kid uh, named their newborn COVID Bryant, yeah. which I thought that's that's just the dumbest thing I've ever. Heard. I, I could I could not imagine I would name my co- child COVID. I mean, they understand what it is. I would hope. I mean, I I guess can't... not. That's. That's probably the same type of person that's going to inject themselves with disinfectant. Yeah, that's that was disturbing. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Uh, let's see, what do we got now? Uh, Dave Eastwood has spent the last two years building a new home for him and his partner, Helen Kettleborough of uh, Honley, West Yorkshire. So this is British news. Uh, during the build, the pair have been forced to live in their garage. The unusual living situation has meant that Helen has only had access to a shower. The 60-year-old has really missed being able to relax in the bath. A fact made plainly clear on Dave on Newton. Made, she made plainly clear to Dave on numerous occasions. Uh, fed up with her complaining, he decided to take matters into his own hands and built a makeshift jacuzzi to quote shut her up using a, the rusty bucket of a dump truck. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Nice, and, and there's a picture of her in a in a bubbly jacuzzi uh, in the back of a dump truck. That's well, you got to keep the wife happy. That's that's true. Yeah, the, whatever it takes. <laughs> she's she's got her she's she's holding up her margarita, and uh, she's she's in a jacuzzi made out of a the back of a dump truck. Classy. Guess whatever <laughs> whatever it takes, whatever it takes to make them happy. That's what you got to do. So I, th- I think we're going to do one more. Let's see what we let's let's find something fun. Let's see what we got. Nope, that's weird. Nope, that's too weird. 
Lots of weird news, huh? People have too much time on their hands. That's I, th- I think that's a big part of it. That's a big part of the problem. Uh, there's a 93-year-old wanting more beer. <laughs> yeah. okay. There should be a limit to that, I hope. I, I, I would think. I would think. Uh, let's see. A man who bought a ghost town with a sinister past. I'm assuming the ghost town, not the man, but I don't know. Has been forced to quarantine there after a snowstorm left him trapped. Uh, Brent Underwood said he has been resorting to uh, melting snow for water after his week-long stay in Cerro Gordo, California, was unexpectedly and significantly prolonged by nationwide coronavirus lockdown measures. He told Sky News he, he had arrived during good weather a month ago, but the four consecutive days of snow had left him stuck there in solitude ever since. So he's locked, stuck, isolated in a ghost town. Hmm. Well, at least he owns it, huh? Yeah, at least he owns it. That's that's a little... Uh, it, did, it didn't get into the whole uh, sinister past of the ghost town anywhere in this article, and that sounds like, that sounds like something that would actually have made it a more interesting let's see if i can scroll down here uh well he says there are ghosts so yeah he said the town had once been the subject of an episode of the tv show ghost adventures which concluded it was haunted by the ghosts of two children who died after being trapped in a closet well that's creepy yeah I, I watched, I don't really get into the, that very much, but I did see, I, I'm from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and they have a lot of the Mothman. Yeah, I, uh, I've heard of that. Yeah. And I, I was alive during that time. I remember that, and I think it, you know that all originated with a bunch of guys smoking pot after they got back right. into the song. <laughs> um, right. that, I mean, that's just my, that's my take on it. I, I've seen several little ghost story, ghost hunter type people going around, and I just, I don't know, it was just very embarrassing even to watch it on television. So I just, you know, I just kind of turned, turned my head away. And <laughs> yeah. Understandable. That, that's something that's, it's always kind of interest me, but I've never seen anything that would make me a believer, but there, there's a small part of me that wants to like year, years ago, I was cast to uh, cast to be part of a movie uh, that was going to be filmed at Bobby Mackey's music world in Northern Kentucky, which is uh, they call it hell's gate. Hmm. And that's, yeah, it, it's a, supposedly a very haunted place. There was a number of exorcisms. I mean, there were fish, all kinds of official reports on this and it's just a very creepy place. And we were going to be filming at night on location. And I really was looking forward to it. Un- unfortunately, the funding fell through and they weren't able to film there, but, uh, I think they ended up making it in a studio out in California somewhere. They weren't actually able to film on location, which which upset me because I didn't get to be a part of it and I didn't get to go down there and be on location for it. But, you know, I, I, I did get to film some for uh, a movie I was in called uh, Six Feet Below Hell, which is a, a zombie movie. Uh-huh. that we filmed part of that at uh, Post Town Elementary School outside of uh, Germantown, Ohio. I think it's Germantown, and uh, that's a very that's supposedly a very haunted place, and that's it's one of those places we did film there. It was very creepy, but I never saw anything that would make me say yes, this is haunted. Yeah, that Marysville prison up there, uh, north of Columbus, yeah. is supposed to have like haunted. They have like haunted tours or something like that. Uh, I've I've seen several people heard of them going up there and taking the tour and everything. 
I, I certainly don't believe it's haunted or anything like that, but it is kind of creepy to be in an old prison and, and uh, just see how everything worked and things like oh, that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like yeah, it's, I, if you want to go for creepy, yeah, go to we were over in Germany. We um, they have uh, Dachau and Auschwitz and several other mm-hmm. concentration camps over there. That is, I it's it's creepy, yes, but it's also very sobering. Um, yes, yeah. yeah see, what, was... see what happened to uh, six million Jews and and Jehovah's Witnesses and uh, homosexuals and other, other classes of people. Yeah, that that would be one of those places that I mean, it, it's it's one thing to go to like one of these haunted locations. It would be an entirely different experience to be at one of those places because that you know, there yeah, that's oh, I don't even know if I could. <laughs> I mean, it yeah, that's just. Well, I encourage everybody if they ever have the opportunity to to go experience something like that in Europe. That that would be. I'm not going to say it's going to be awesome, but it's a certainly a certainly a very uh, life-changing experience. Right. Uh, it, it would be something it, important to experience. Absolutely. And then yeah. the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. is is another place that is, um, if you can't go to Europe, that would be a place to go. They, they have a, a very good program there. Right. Yeah, that would definitely be a, a surreal, sobering experience, definitely. I was going to say I'd been out to Alcatraz, but that's a whole different, you know. That's... Yeah, I used to live out there, so it's I you know, went out there too, and it was, you know, again, that's kind of like the Marysville thing, you know, it's the old right. old prison, and you know, and it's it's I don't know, it's kind of a borderline between the creepy and the and the uh, uh, scary, I guess. Right. Yeah, I, I did the nighttime tour of Alcatraz, which if you're going to do it, that's what I would recommend. Because at one point they do shut off all the lights in there and it's it's very dark. Yeah. But yeah. the cool thing about that is when you're coming back across the bay, you see all the lights of uh, San Francisco Bay right there. So it's really, yeah, pretty cool. mm-hmm. really, really a neat thing to do, but no ghosts. But all right, I'm I'm going to give you a chance. We're going to have to get uh, we're going to have to wrap up. But I'm going to give you a chance real quick to throw out any social media you want to follow, and uh, and of course promote your promote your books again. Yeah, and uh, go take it away. So my name is Will Blaine, W I L L B L A I N E. Um, you can look for me on Amazon. Just type my name in there. My my book will come up. It's called Vlad in the Vast Beach. It's part of the series uh, Wildly Inappropriate Stories for Children. Uh, I got a story coming out soon. It's called Sticky Fingers from Jam. Look for it. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Mind of Will. Uh, I'm on both of those uh, formats, and uh, you can take a look there. Follow me. Uh, if you do happen to buy my book or look for it on Kindle, you can get it for Kindle for, on Kindle for free. Please leave a review. helps me out a lot and gets publicity out there. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank, thanks for uh, calling to talk to me. It's, it's been great getting to know you. All right, Don. You too. All right. And thanks for listening to the Life Radio Show. Uh, we're going to keep cranking out COVID-19 episodes, so uh, keep tuning in. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Life Radio Show podcast. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, if you want to listen live, we are on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. on WWSU 106.9 FM. You can also stream the show live at WWSU1069.org, and we go Facebook Live at the Life Radio Show's Facebook page. If you have suggestions or comments, feel free to email thelife1069 at gmail.com. Hey, hey.
your presence. Over, over. Milo?